This is Farmtastic Form. Welcome to our Type 2 Diabetes Podcast. This podcast is made for educational purposes only. Please consult current references before providing any advice to your patients. Every patient suffering from type 2 diabetes will have an individual glycemic control target, but for the majority of them, we want the glycated hemoglobin to be below 53 millimole per mole. If the treatment target is not reached within three months, the treatment should be reviewed. The first-line drugs are metformin, sulfonylurea, and insulin. Metformin. This medication effectively reduces glucose levels. It's cheap and assists with weight loss. It's beneficial for patients with obesity and cardiovascular problems. Watch out for gastrointestinal upset, especially in patients on immediate release formulations, vitamin B12 deficiency with prolonged use, and lactic acidosis. Metformin comes in immediate release and controlled release tablets. Controlled release tablets are tolerated much better and taken only once a day. Don't forget to adjust the dose of metformin for creatinine clearance if it falls below 90 mL per minute. When switching from immediate release to controlled release tablets, the total daily dose should be the same. If our patient needs more than 2 grams of metformin a day, they should use the immediate release tablets and not the XR. Metformin comes in combinations with DPP4 inhibitors, SGLT2 inhibitors, and glipinclamide, the representative from sulfonylurea class. Sulfonylurea, also a very effective class of medications. The main concerns are weight gain and hypoglycemia. It is very important that these medications are taken with a meal. Our representatives are glibinclamide, glyclozide, glimipiride, glipizide. Glibinclamide exists in a combination with metformin. Glyclozide comes in immediate release and controlled release tablets. According to AMH, 30 mg of controlled release tablets is equivalent to 80 mg of immediate release. This needs to be taken into account when switching dosing forms. Glyclozide controlled release tablets and glimipiride are taken once a day only. If glycemic targets are not achieved with the first-line treatment option, the second-line drug should be added. The treatment should continue for three months and then the efficacy should be reviewed. According to ETG guidelines, if glycated hemoglobin didn't get reduced by more than 4 millimole per mole, the added drug should be stopped. The drug choices include the drugs from the first line plus SGLT2 inhibitors, DPP4 inhibitors, and GLP1 receptor agonists. Acarbos and tiazolidinediones may be considered but are not preferred. Sodium glucose co-transporter 2 inhibitors, known as SGLT2 inhibitors. They are slightly less effective in reduction of glycated hemoglobin, but come with extra advantages of weight loss, cardio and renal protection. Patients on this class of medications are literally peeing the sugars out. This may cause genitourinary infections, so we should advise our patients about the importance of hydration and hygiene. 
SGLT2 inhibitors may also cause euglycemic ketoacidosis, meaning ketoacidosis with normal glucose levels. This may occur in patients not consuming enough carbs, for example if they are fasting, unwell or undergoing medical procedures. The wonder drugs of this class are being used for other medical conditions. For example, empagliflozin and dapagliflozin are approved under PBS for the treatment of chronic heart failure. They can also slow down the progression of renal impairment. Unfortunately, SGLT2 inhibitors may become ineffective once the renal function declines significantly. The representatives of SGLT2 inhibitors are dapagliflozin, empagliflozin and ultagliflozin. All of them come in combination with metformin and DPP4 inhibitors. Dipeptidyl peptidase 4 inhibitors, DPP4 inhibitors. DPP4 inhibitors allow incretin hormones that stimulate insulin secretion to last longer. More insulin is being produced, glucagon production is getting reduced, and the gastric emptin slows down. They are normally well tolerated, but may cause aches and pains in the muscles and the reports of pancreatitis. The dose will need to be adjusted in renal failure with an exception for linagliptin. Saxagliptin and alagliptin are not recommended to be used in heart failure. The representatives of DPP4 inhibitor class are alagliptin, linagliptin, saxagliptin, sidagliptin and vildagliptin. They all come in combination with metformin. Saxagliptin, citagliptin and linagliptin come in combination with SGLT2 inhibitors. All DPP4 inhibitors are taken once a day apart from vildagliptin that can be taken up to twice daily. Now let's talk about glucagon-like peptide 1 agonists or SGLP1 receptor agonists. LGP1 receptor agonists are analogs of glucagon-like peptide 1 they act as incretins, increase insulin secretion, reduce glucagon and slow down gastric emptying. They've got a few pros and cons. The pros are the efficacy on glycemic control seems to be similar to metformin and sulfonylurea. They can cause significant weight loss. They have shown cardio and renal protective properties, at least dulaglutide and liraglutide and they are unlikely to cause hypos. The cons are, in Australia, they only come as injections. In other parts of the world, semaglutide exists in tablet form. There were also some reports of pancreatitis, thyroid and other types of cancer, and they may not be suitable for patients with severe renal impairment. GLP-1 receptor agonists should not be used together with DPP4 inhibitors as they do the same thing at the end and there are no added benefits for this combination. Representatives of GLP-1 receptor agonist class are dulaglutide or trulicity once weekly injection, exenatide or bieta, injection administered twice a day. It comes in two different strengths for dose adjustment. Liraglutide or victosa, once daily formulation for treatment of diabetes. Liraglutide also comes as saxendapen, marketed for treatment of obesity. They both come in pens 
the same concentration, the same volume, and contain the same active ingredients and excipients. The recommended dose for treatment of obesity is normally higher though. Dose of Saxenda for treatment of obesity will be up to 3 mg once a day and Victoza is used in a dose of up to 1.8 mg daily for treatment of diabetes. Semaglutide Azempic is an injection administered once a week. It comes in two pens, 1.5 ml pen can administer the doses of 0.25 mg and 0.5 mg and 3 ml pen delivers 1 mg doses. Normally our patients would start with a low dose and gradually increase it to the effective and tolerable dose of up to 1 mg a week. Semaglutide, as MPIC, seems to be the most effective GLP-1 receptor agonist for weight loss. However, weight loss is the drug class feature, so all representatives of this class have this effect. Acarbos. Acarbos interferes with the absorption of carbs from the diet, so normally is taken just before a meal, with the first bite of food. Not a very well-tolerated medication, with many patients complaining of diarrhea, flatulence and stomach pain. Also, not as effective as sulfonylurea or metformin. Tiazelidinedions increase sensitivity of tissues to insulin and offer some better cell protection. Just like sulfonylurea and insulin, they can cause some weight gain. The use of this drug class has been associated with increased risk of fractures, heart failure and macular edema. Some of the common side effects are peripheral edema and muscle aches and pains. In Australia, the only drug in this class is pioglitazone. It is taken once a day. Thank you for listening. Keep up to date with Fantastic Four.